Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And today we are continuing our discussion with a young man named Jordan, who, by the way, Jordan, we met at a debate at the U, at the University of Utah. It was James White and Jeff Durbin were debating two individuals who were supposed to be atheists, at least one certainly said he was an atheist. The, one, the other one sounded more like he was more in the agnostic realm, which that, I think that's a little bit more honest. And my personal feelings about atheists is you can't really be a true atheist unless you're omniscient, because there could always be something out there that could change your mind, possibly. Let me just ask you, what did you think of that debate? I know this is not <laughs> having anything to do with Mormonism, but uh, I've, I found it fascinating that they were admitting to things you wouldn't think atheists would admit to in public. But I thought Jeff and James were very good at flushing that out of them, getting them to admit that even when it comes to some of the most heinous crimes you can imagine, they had no real moral compass where they could say that that was really wrong because it's all based on what you think, or they'll say what society might say. But uh, that was kind of my take walking away from that. I go, wow, they got them to actually admit this in public. <laughs> and I didn't think that was a real good selling point for their wor worldview. So. I, think, I think it does apply because it was really, ref I want to say, refreshing to me to see um, James White and Jeff Durbin, who I might not agree with everything they do, but at least they brought a really solid argument and they brought a lot of real philosophy and, and logic and reasoning. And coming from a Latter-day Saint background, I was very used to more of the other side of, well, I felt this and I, you know, this is my experience and this is my truth. And so it was very uh, refreshing to me to see a more logical debate and to take topics like that seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a mutual friend, Aaron Marshall, and, uh, Whenever we do have time, I kind of consider him my writing buddy, although unfortunately we don't get together that often because we're both so very busy. But he's with an organization called Ratio Christi, and we've had Corey Miller on this show before, and Corey's a good friend of ours. And so, Ratio Christi, why don't you tell us very briefly about that? Because you were with Aaron and Ratio Christi that night that I met you. And so uh, it's a great organization. So why don't you briefly explain what that is? Yeah, so Ratio Christi is a great college ministry club. The motto is to ask good questions and to seek good answers. And so at least for me here in Utah, where when I was a Latter-day Saint, a lot of the hard questions that I have, you know, you talk to bishops and they say, well, you know, pray about it. And I, I went in, I asked a bishop about the Pearl of Great Price, and I was having really big concerns about its reliability and the, the source of it. And he said, Jordan, when's the last time you heard that mentioned in General Conference? And I said, never. And he said, you never will. Wow. Said, that yeah. was his answer. That was his answer. This is a BYU bishop, yeah. Wow. You wouldn't think that that would be a very good answer, because basically he's implying, at least what I take away from that, is it's not worth hearing, and you're not going to hear about it. Yet, 
the Pearl of Great Price is a part of Mormon scripture. I mean, that's where the Book of Abraham is found, the Book of Moses, Joseph Smith's testimony, the Articles of Faith are all crammed into that little section called the Pearl of Great Price. And the fact that it is LDS scripture, you see, you saying that would be like, well, this is why you're never going to hear the Gospel of Matthew in our church, because we don't believe, you know, the Gospel of Matthew. You would never hear an evangelical say something like that. <laughs> so for that bishop to say something to that effect, that's just, that's just amazing. Well, even, even more troubling is I walked away not really having any solid answer to these questions. And so Ratio Christi is a really good platform to really dive into these hard questions and to lean, lean into them, to trust that, like, God is big enough to to handle our hard questions. And so it's a really open space where um, different people that believe different things, I started going as a Latter-day Saint and just get to come together and share what they believe in, but also have it guided by truth and say, hey, here's some evidence and here's evidence for the resurrection or evidence for this. And, you know, let's, let's talk about stuff and do it in love. And it changed my life. Evidence. That's the big thing. Yeah. It's just so sad, even by your own account, it didn't seem to really matter a whole lot about evidence when you joined the LDS church. It was all about how do you feel about it. And I, I, I got to be honest with you, Jordan, I, I get a little weary like when I'm on Temple Square and the sister missionaries will say, well, how do you feel standing here as if this is some special place? It is to the Latter-day Saints, but why would it be to me? Why would I have any special kind of spiritual buzz because I'm on Temple Square? But it's all about the subjective. It's all about feelings, which, of course, the Bible warns us about, to be very careful about our feelings. Our heart is wicked above all things. Who can know it? In yesterday's show, we we got to the point where you were talking to the two sister missionaries, and the one sister missionary you said gave a very heartfelt testimony that she knew, she just knew this is true, and you ultimately become baptized in the church. So what happens after that? Yeah, so I was, I, I looking back, I guess I would say, I was a little bit funneled into the baptism because it was, okay, Jordan, you've been meeting with us um, for three weeks. What day this week are you available to get baptized? Thursday, Tuesday. And so I was like, okay, wow, like I wasn't really thinking about this, but so I was baptized on a Thursday and shortly after I received the ironic priesthood, because they believe that there's these different priesthood offices that men can hold. Right, and you probably never bothered to check the Old Testament to find out that the only people who could hold the Aaronic priesthood were the sons of Aaron. (laughs) And of course, I don't think you're a son of Aaron, am I correct on that? So you wouldn't have been qualified anyway, but that's Mormonism. Joseph Smith takes these names, takes these phrases from the Bible, and he builds whole doctrines on them. And if you're not familiar with what the Bible actually says about these things, you could easily be taken in. And as you, not having a Christian background to lean on, of course, you're going to believe what these people are telling you because you trust them. They're looking out for your best interests, obviously. So you become an ironic priest you didn't learn anything about sacrificing animals, though, which is a primary function of the Aaronic priest in the Old Testament. And then what happens? 
And then I started listening to these classic uh, speeches online because I was really excited about the doctrine and I was studying it very deeply. And so I was listening to these classic speeches and they were from the 1980s. So maybe a little more your era. And <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> you just they were, dated me. So. They were uh, they were from BYU. And I never I never heard of BYU before. I don't watch college football or anything. And so I never heard of BYU. And really, I was at a YSA that was a little bit a young single adult ward and so um it only had about 20 or 30 people and i said that's a school that has you know thousands and so i'm gonna mm. i'm gonna make my way out there so about- let, let me test your memory here you say you're talking about people back during the 1980s and such do you remember any of the names one was russell nelson oh really yeah. well he's been around a long time i mean he's yeah. late 90s now so yeah he, he was an apostle back then i, I remember the 80s because i started studying mormonism in the mid 70s and so i was very familiar with spencer kimball and bruce mcconkie and ezra taft benson these were the classics for me and after i got involved in ministry they gave me so much writing material i mean they they were so blunt and honest <laughs> and i appreciated that I, I i was really sad for a number of reasons when bruce mcconkie passed away in the mid-1980s because I mean, he would just say it like it is, and that's something I really miss with a lot of these modern leaders. They're they're not as precise anymore. They're very vague. They want very much to sound like everyone else. In other words, they speak in a way where they don't seem to want in, to invite criticism. McConkie didn't care. I would he, even, he was really like that. I would even say Joseph Smith didn't care, and even True. at the church's inception was all the other churches are wrong, and they, they all preach and teach false teachings and we're the one true church. And that's a very big claim. Yeah. This whole idea of a great apostasy, the guys I just mentioned, they had no problem talking about this kind of stuff. And certainly times have changed where they don't usually deal with a lot of that. It's not that it's not mentioned at all, because it certainly is. But I've noticed even in the new Preach My Gospel manual, the 2004 edition I think is a little bit more blunt than the new 2023 edition. It still mentions it, it still talks about the LDS church being the only true church, but not quite as blunt as the older edition. Unfortunately, when you're talking to missionaries, and you were talking to missionaries, this reflects in how they present their message. And here's the sum total of all this, folks. If you convert to the LDS church based on what the missionaries told you, it's obvious you know less than the missionaries. And if the missionaries don't know that much, what does that say about your level of knowledge? And yet you're saying that in about a three-week time, you're already into this movement. You haven't really had any chance of checking it out. You don't even know the questions to ask. And that's unfortunate because that puts you at a disadvantage. Yeah, and I mentioned um, at our, for our last talk that I received a Book of Mormon when I was a child. And so before I left California to go to BYU, because I was in the process of applying and moving to Utah, I dug all around my room and I found this old Book of Mormon that missionaries gave me 15 years ago. And so I went up at, for fast and testimony and I said, you know, God has been working on my heart my entire life and this so this it felt like a prophecy that's uh, that was always meant to happen and especially when i got my patriarchal blessing and it was very much this was always supposed to happen and we should mention the patriarchal blessing is something that the patriarch in that particular border state 
it's not really meant to be a prophecy, so to speak. It does seem to sound like that, but it's not usually very precise. And there's a lot of conditions that are included in there. Let's say you leaving the LDS church, that would probably make null and void any Thing that was ever said in your patriarchal blessing. But you had mentioned Brad Wilcox before, and we were talking off air how Wilcox talks about the, the patriarchal blessing as being like the box of a jigsaw puzzle that kind of shows you the picture. And if you don't have that, there's your blessing, there's your patriarchal blessing is the picture. And if you don't have that, you're putting the puzzle together, not really knowing what you're putting together at the time. Am I correct? Yeah, that you're kind of grasping at straws through life, trying to figure out how to put the pieces together, but without the the bigger picture of the patriarchal blessing, good luck. You've become an ironic priest. You seem to have a zeal to learn a lot of LDS doctrine. So how are you doing this? I read the Book of Mormon completely. I read the Doctrine and Covenants. I read the Pearl of Great Price. I um, took it very serious. I started going to the temple a lot, went to the temple the first time with the missionaries that taught me in the San Diego temple. And when I came out to BYU, that institute class that I took, that first one, I realized they have entire programs. There's all sorts of institute classes and religious teaching. So I got heavily involved with that because I said, I really want to know what I'm devoting my life to. That's commendable. I mean, you, you want to know the nuts and bolts of what you're actually involved in here. That is quite commendable. Now, you're in San Diego, but what led you to Utah? It was hearing about BYU and saying, there's way more members out there. And that's kind of what people did in San Diego. The people that were at this YSA, at least in my opinion, were very like the ones that were kind of left behind almost. And that people in Utah, it's this big happy life and happy picture. And I was a very disenfranchised man joining the church. And so I wanted that. So tomorrow we're going to talk about Jordan's journey to Utah and some of the things that happened to him, which eventually led to him leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.